0: Hello, Man fans. Ollie Man here with The Modern Man. Hello to Graham, who says, I was listening to your interview with Andrew Ramroop last week, and I got a strong autosensory meridian response. Google it if you don't know what that is. Uh, Well, I have Googled it, Graham. And as far as I can see, it's basically a spine tingle, or some say a brain orgasm. Um, And you're not the only one who felt it, it seems. Uh, Andrew's soft Trinidadian tones did it for a lot of you. Uh, Michael tweeted at The Modern Man to say, Andrew has a voice like melted butter. Mark said, Andrew has the most relaxing podcasting voice. Uh, So I'm glad you enjoyed last week's show. You probably won't get as much of a spine tingle this week, uh, because if you listen very carefully during the Foxhole and Zeitgeist segments, uh, you can actually faintly hear the sound of bagpipes, uh, which is more likely to induce nausea, I should think uh, it's because we were recording in a in a trendy central London location, exactly the kind of place you'd expect to find hip kids like us. Good coffee, trendy soft furnishings, upcycled from Shoreditch, that kind of thing. Um, but directly outside the bar, there was a bloke playing bagpipes for tourists. Uh, so sorry if you do detect that in the background faintly. We only had an hour to record. Uh, so there you are. Uh, it is well worth battling through, though, because our feature interview this week Oh my god, it is an absolute stonker. I am actually excited for you. because I know what's coming up, and you don't. It is one of the standout conversations of this series. It's a cracking real-life story. And I must say, I'm so pleased to say this as well, we found it thanks to you. Manfan Russell wrote to me back in March. Uh, He said, "Ollie, my brother met an amazing guy whilst working offshore in the oil industry, an unassuming chap called Bill, with quite the fascinating story to tell. The book he was reading at the time was written by his good friend Gavin, He claimed it was all about the two of them and their amazing journey some years previously. It's even been made into a film called The Great Hip Hop Hoax. However, the story is still little known and well worth your attention. Uh, Well, Russell, following your email, I watched the movie. It is an amazing feature-length documentary from a few years ago about these two guys who basically... Blagged a record contract. Uh, One of them, as you say, was Bill, who your brother met. The other is a guy called Gavin, and that is who I'm interviewing this week. It is an amazing story. He's an amazing talker. Uh, Before we get on with the episode, though, um, may I just take a moment, just a moment, to remind you that although this show is free to download... It is not free to produce. Um, Like I say, we've been working on just this episode since the spring. So obviously it takes our time and costs money. We only recoup a little bit from advertising. So if you enjoy the podcast, please support us. Uh, You know the deal by now. We call it beer money because the average cost of a pint of beer in Britain is £3.47. And that is how much we ask you to donate to us per month. Just one pint of beer to support our show. And keep us on air. Uh, But you can send us any amount of money you want, as little or as often as you like. It's all secure. Just visit modernmanwith 2 slash beer. Uh, Because if you'd buy us a beer in real life to say thank you, do please buy us a virtual one. Uh, Right, this week you will learn how to jump the queue at Pineapple Studios. You'll learn which day of the week is the worst to ask for a pay rise. And you'll learn what muffing is. Let's go. On this week's Modern Man. This is real fried, It's not a, a jokey fried. Like, we will go to jail. Fake names, fake accents and real talent. A dangerous combination for wannabe pop stars.
1: Three vibrators and a stainless steel G-spot probe.
0: And Alex Fox delivers a happy finish for a listener with a phobia of semen. But first, it's that hit and miss bit about trends with Ollie Pitt. Hello. Hit and miss. I think that's fair. Uh, What have you got for us this week?
3: Well, Tomovon. What? Tech companies, Ollie, have been uh, making good on their promises recently, which is something that only a few weeks ago I said that they weren't. Uh, Elon Musk has delivered his battery to Australia in 63 days, when he said it would take 100.
0: And Uber... Well, what do you mean, delivered his battery to Australia? What does that mean?
3: He basically supplied them with a ginormous battery, and he said, if I don't deliver it within 100 days, you get it for free. He delivered it in 63. And I said he doesn't
0: keep his promises, and there he is, keeping his promises. Supplied who? The government of Australia? The government of Australia. Why do they need a big battery from Elon Musk? This isn't the story. No, I know, but I'm just you just dropped it in like everyone's talking about that. Oh, yeah, Elon Musk know, and like... his Australian battery voyage. I mean, what are you on about?
3: Exactly the same reason anybody else would want a battery. They need power. Anyway, Uber as well are over-delivering. They have just ordered 24,000 Volvo XC90s, which are going to be fully autonomous, and they're having them delivered from 2019 to 2021,
0: Mm. right? Over-delivering, perhaps, for their customers, maybe not so much for their drivers.
3: So now the reality is sinking in. Mm. Uber think that you are going to puke in their nice, swanky new cars.
0: Oh, because I'm not used to being driven without a driver and I'll find it... What?
3: Well, if you're not having to drive a car, what you're probably going to be doing... Get motion sickness. Exactly that. You're but you don't motion. on a train... Yes, because a train's going in a straight line. So the problem with autonomous Mm. cars is they drive like autonomous cars. They're quite robotic in their movement. Mm. You can't anticipate where they're going to go. A train's very fluid, very, you know, nice and straight. Same with an aeroplane. So hold on, the the trend
0: that you're trying to bring to my attention is Uber think I'm going to puke because of motion sickness. That's the trend. No, there's more. How long is this foreplay? Uber have,
3: have filed a patent for a sensory stimulation system for an autonomous vehicle. It's a seat that detects the movement of a vehicle and then, like, blasts air conditioning in your face, it vibrates it, it moves it in certain directions to stop you puking in their fancy cars.
0: Is it a patent to put a telly in the back of a car? You know, is there always a seat that combats your motion sickness? Yes, but I bet it has a telly in the back of it and I bet they put ads on it.
3: As you know, I research this section in depth Mm, every single week. Thoroughly. I I
0: Hours in the British Library you are, aren't you? (laughs) If anyone ever wants to find you, that's where you'll be.
3: Here I have the patent. Oh, right, I have been okay. through it. I understand none of it. Yeah. It's mostly flowcharts. <laughs> but what it illustrates is that, no, it's not a TV in the back of a seat, because that's the problem. If you were to just sit and watch Netflix whilst your car's driving you around the streets or whatever... There's no if you, about it. Well, yeah, but you're going to be it? sick. I, I'm sick if I yeah, read a book in I a see, car. I see, yes.
0: Uh, what else have you got for us this week?
3: Dead social death, Ollie. It's coming to all of us whether you like it or not. And uh, That is a persistent trend. It is. And uh, our way of sort of dealing with it when we lose a loved one currently is to put a suit on go to a crematorium listen to Coldplay and <laughs> eat some cucumber sandwiches sure. whilst holding back tears the whole time. Yes. But that's going to change is it? Yeah. right now. Motherboard are saying that we're going to change the way that we grieve because there are these social Who, apps... Motherboard? Motherboard are a subsidiary of Vice.
0: Oh, oh Vice? OK. You know, I'm not called cool Vice enough. Media. I know what Vice is. Yeah yeah yeah, 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 yeah. I'm just not cool enough to know what Motherboard is, but now I do.
3: So they think that we're going to change the way that we grieve because there's these social apps and sites that allow you to set up posts now, whilst you're living, mm. that your family and friends will see after you die.
0: I get that in the old days, as oh. in maybe as recently as now, Um, you would choose to, for example, write a letter to your daughter so that she can open it in ten years' time and you say everything you would have said if you hadn't died tragically of cancer. That's quite a nice thing to do. It's a possession they can hold on to. It's personal and intimate. It means something to them. And although to our generation it seems odd that you would do a digital version of that, I guess that's the way we're going, isn't it? And if you wanted to time an email or even a Facebook post saying how much you loved your daughter for ten years hence, I guess that's maybe a nice thing to do. But what you're suggesting sounds like you'd put your sort of, you know, your comical observations about everyday life. Whoa, I was a bit busy on the train today. You'd schedule those for years after you die, and that's just fucking weird.
3: But my big gripe with it isn't so much that. It's just that one of the best things about being dead is you don't have to do anything. You're just no giving one can yourself. No you. You're giving yourself all of that work to do. No one does to that do, anymore, do they, By the way, poking, poking on it's Facebook. Even exists. Is it, I don't know
0: if it, I bet it does.
3: You can't poke the dead. You get done. If you start doing that, and also. Surely it just makes the grieving process much, much longer.
0: That said, though, do I quite like the idea of still being able to podcast after I'm dead? I don't think anybody else does. Because you could say all the things you couldn't say when you are alive, couldn't you be honest about everything?
3: What if it got out before you died, though? Yes, and well, that's were, the difficulty. Yeah, and then you were yeah. like... You were saying all these horrible things you know, everyone about Everyone knows
0: I'm a necrophiliac or whatever, yeah. Oh. Sorry, that just came into my mind because we're talking about death. I'm not actually a necrophiliac. Sure, because that's on the record. I'm fairly sure about that, yes. Yeah, so I don't <laughs> think you forget about it. <laughs> uh, it's that moment of the show where we catch up on how you have been faring in your quest to become a true trendsetter. Last week, Man Fan Dave challenged you to take 30 minutes each day to do something purposefully to relax. Mm. He thought you sounded tense. Yes. You don't look tense today, so maybe it's been working. What have you been doing? So, uh, on the first day, right, I had a bath. You probably fit in an average size bath, don't you?
3: Well, I'm assuming my bath is an average size, and yes, I do fit. Yeah,
0: because I, I can't submerge myself fully in a bath unless it's, I think, 1,800 long, which is ridiculous. 1800 so if you sit, occasionally oh right, yes, I'll stay okay. in like a really nice hotel and they have a huge bathtub sure. and I can fit it But it needs to be one you'd like drown someone in, that's the only thing Otherwise I have cold bits
3: Yeah, I can fully submerge myself in yeah. this bath Well this, gel uh, Yeah, it's amazing Did you
0: go full sex in the city? I mean, did you have, you know, some relaxing music on the stereo? Perhaps a glass of white wine in your hand?
3: Did have music going, yes yeah. What was it? No wine, Yeah. Oh, just Spotify playlist Right, yeah, but of Not, what,
0: Ollie? I don't care about the mechanic
3: What do you mean of what?
0: What were you listening to to try and relax?
3: Yeah, just a Spotify playlist. Of
0: what? A Spotify playlist of what? If it's Slipknot, it's not that relaxing, is it? I'm just trying to get a sense of what (laughs) you're listening to. Oh, I got it. Don't know. You don't know. It's all just music. on. It's all just ones and zeros, isn't it, music? That's the problem with Spotify. I never remember what I was
3: actually listening to. All I know is it was very relaxing.
0: Okay, so it was quite relaxing. Okay, what do you do on day two? Something more exciting, I hope. (sighs) (laughs) Crossing me out. I meditated. Oh, good. Okay. Have
3: you ever done that before? I have, and I've used this app before. But I thought I'll give it another go because the first time I used it, I was a bit like, "Mm." "It's an app called Headspace." Have we spoken about it? I'm not sure we
0: have, but I've read about it before, and it seems like a trendy thing.
3: It's basically a meditating app that you can you just whip out and you can just meditate at any given moment. And it basically says, you know, like if you're on a train, you could use it. You just sort of, you know, listen to your surroundings and close your eyes and all that kind of stuff. But they're in 10 minute chunks, Mm -hmm. so I did a few of these in a a row. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's. Fine Day three
0: <laughs> <laughs> What?
2: <laughs> well you're so disinterested
3: I'm, the, day, whole point of, I'm well, the whole I'm point of this I'm going out Trying to find out How this stuff works yeah. And then you just you just I'm, I spend all this I'm effort Downloading did. the app yeah. Listening to this Bloody meditating well, we Thing This bloke Chatting listening, listening And then you just
0: And then you just Dismiss it <laughs> I'm not dismissing it <laughs> Fine I heard what you said I'm asking what you did On day three Gave myself a hand massage what do you mean a hand massage you mean you massage your own hands
3: well I found a listicle online yeah top 40 ways to relax and it was like number 37 so I thought i will give it a punt yeah
0: not worth it. What did you Why use? Would, well, I used my hands. No, oh God, this, this Spotify playlist again. I mean, what did you... What, what materials did you use? Was it like, you know, sunflower oil or what?
3: No, just moisturiser. Right. Just moisturiser on the hands. Uh-huh. I'm not buying any special massage oils. And the point is, they say, look, you know, you use your hands Still all the time. Still sounds angry, doesn't he? They're it doesn't all,
0: sound like he's relaxed at all.
3: I was relaxed until I walked in here. You start challenging me <laughs> about my relaxing process. Day four. Uh, I use another app. Yep. Called Calm. Okay. This was a suggestion from somebody on Twitter.
0: Someone you haven't had the courtesy to remember the name of.
3: Jay balls J-Balls. Right.
0: J-Balls. Brilliant.
3: No, she's. this was... I was very... I yeah, 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 you just, yeah. You're
0: appreciative. You just couldn't be bothered to remember her name and read it out in the show.
3: They got a thing called Sleep Stories. Uh-huh. Uh, and they have one on there that's read by Stephen Fry. And the story is called Blue Gold. And he basically describes a scene of lavender fields in Provence. And it was... Amazing. Was it? Was it good? Yeah, genuinely. So, so that's the, so
0: so far. That's five stars, right? Everything else, four or three.
3: Yeah, I've yeah. had dreadful sleep. This thing, it just knocked me out. I can't even remember the rest of the story. Something about lavender.
0: Do you pay for calm?
3: No, you don't. You can download it to start. Uh, it's just got ready. in-app purchase, hasn't uh, it? In-app purchase. Uh, I bet it bloody yeah, has. Of course it has. Yeah. If you want another Stephen Fry story, you got to pay for I that. I bet you have. Yeah, it's like two ninety nine a month or something. What did you
0: do on day five?
3: I did nothing for thirty minutes. Okay Just do nothing It's a thing Do nothing for 30 But not medicine.
0: consciously meditate Nope
3: Just do nothing
0: So right Consciously do nothing Or just don't consciously think of anything Just
3: do nothing Ollie It's not complicated Right yeah <laughs> You just do nothing
0: and, uh, But does that mean what Sitting down Standing up In the garden Well this, we? is,
3: this is my point I, I don't rate it Because you're never not doing nothing you can't You're not, never do nothing. not doing nothing. Yeah. I can't
0: handle that. There's three exactly. negatives in a row. That's
3: already like that's already confusing.
0: So what were you doing when you were doing nothing?
3: I was sitting on the sofa yeah. with my legs crossed, sitting there like this, yeah. thinking, "I've got stuff to do.
0: <laughs> why,
3: why am I doing this?" <laughs> yeah, day uh, six. I drank green tea. Uh, and, and and a honey tea instead of coffee. Ah, so interesting. Over the, you know, I know it's thirty minutes a day, but that's a conscious sort of decision. Yes, sure. Yes.
0: And what did you make of it? Because yeah. actually, I definitely feel the effect of too much coffee. I get sort of antsy.
3: Drinking green tea is like eating celery. It's. Pointless. I think that it's nice, but you don't get anything out of it. Drinking coffee, I, you know, I love coffee. Yeah. At least you get something from it. It engages your brain. It just makes you feel amazing. Drinking green tea is just like.
0: Well, it's just a limperisted carrot tea, isn't it?
3: You can go mocking my carrot tea.
0: Day seven, the final day of relax. I spent some time cooking. That's interesting because I've been watching a lot of food programs. There's a lot on, aren't there, just before Christmas because all the cookbooks come out. Of course. And uh, Nigella, when she's like doing something that's actually like everyone knows is really frustrating, like having to chop up carrots, mm-hmm. she says things like, it's so delightfully soothing. She says things like, I could just do this all day. It's just so relaxed. And I'm thinking, like, no one enjoys that.
3: Now, I have people coming over the following day. So what I did is I decided the day before, do this. So I set aside three hours to do it and cook mm. it. It was a vegetarian lasagna. Mm-hmm. Just chin out, grate in some cheese, stick it in the oven. Yes. Sit down whilst it's cooking. Okay, sn- let's cut
0: to the chase here. Yeah. Uh, the best one then was the car map. Yeah, definitely. Okay, done. It. Right, let's talk about your challenge for next week. Brilliant. Uh, and let's pass you the envelope. Should be another
3: week of de-stressing, hopefully. <laughs> your challenge this week is from John, who says, Watch as many previews as possible And review them for us next week. Oh, okay. Previews of what?
0: That's all he said. I presume he means TV programmes, but I guess if you can blag your way into a film screening or... uh Perhaps even I'm a shopping feeling, extravaganza. So like, all you need to do basically is write to some press offices and say, Can I? I'm, I'll talk about it on the show. Tell me what the next big three shows are you've got coming up. That's
3: good. That's nice. Yeah, it's, yeah, no, it's fine. It's Our just listeners are talking writing to nice things people. for you to do. <laughs> I don't in want fact, to do
0: that. Sure, I get that. But listeners don't think like that. They just think, Let's reward Ollie with something nice. They could. In fact, you could, listeners. These are genuine suggestions. You could go to modernman.co.uk and click on feedback and say, What I'd really like Ollie Pitt to do is sit in a bath full of cold beans for two days and we'd put it to him but you haven't you've given him nice things to do that is a nice thing
3: thanks John right there we go I will again enter into this (laughs) with full enthusiasm great becoming a catchphrase
2: (laughs) hello man fans my name is Emily Burt I'm a business journalist at People Management Magazine and these are my top three Squarespace life hacks for how to get a pay rise My first tip is do your prep. So think about when you're going to do this, don't do it on a Monday at the beginning of the week because everyone is very stressed on Mondays, don't do it on a Friday either because everyone's winding down, you're not thinking that professionally. But also just be smart, choose a time when they're going to be focused but they don't have too much on and they've got the time to sit down and listen to you. And uh, just do your preparation, you know, dress well, dress for the job that you want. And do ping them over an email in advance to let them know what you want to talk to them about so they've got a bit of advance warning and they have some time to think themselves about the proposition that you want to make. Tip number two is to know your worth. If you want a pay rise, it stands to reason that you think there's a reason for that. So when you go into this meeting, be prepared to lay out several practical reasons about why you deserve this raise. Have you been going above and beyond your job description? Do you feel like you've been excelling? And can you provide hard evidence For that just to back up your request another thing that you can do is you can always uh, benchmark yourself there are lots of websites where you can look at how your pay is compared to other people in your field although I must stress that you should never go in and ask for a pay rise just because you feel like you deserve it because other people are getting paid more than you so you've got to be able to make a good strong case if you're going to get that raise my third tip is to go in there with the right attitude You should be able to be confident and assertive without coming across as aggressive or challenging when you ask for a pay rise. Research from Cass Business School shows that women ask for pay rises just as much as men do, but they're far less likely to get them because they are not assertive enough in making a case for themselves and are far more likely to back down when they are given a no. If you do get a no from your boss, you shouldn't just walk out of the door. You should also treat this as an opportunity. Ask for feedback. Ask what you can be doing better. And just really demonstrate that you are keen to be going above and beyond your potential. So those are my top three tips for getting a pay rise. You can find much more about pay information and lots of other interesting business journalism at peoplemanagement.co.uk. So what are you waiting for? Go out there and make it happen.
3: Thanks to Emily for her Squarespace life hacks. Remember, you can share your own expert advice in minutes by building your blog with Squarespace. Head to squarespace.com for a free trial, and when you're ready to launch, use the offer code MAN, that's M-A-N-N, to save 10% off your first purchase of a website or domain.
0: Now, did you have a musical tribe at school? You know, perhaps you were a goth, perhaps you were really into grime or punk. Uh, Well, for Gavin Bain... It was hip-hop, which was common enough where he grew up in South Africa. But when he was 10, his family moved to Scotland, where he stuck out like a sore thumb and was bullied at school. He wanted to be a rapper, but it wasn't until he went to college, his first day of college, in fact, that he met anyone else who shared his interests. His name was Bill. He was... um
4: He was just just, this weird looking dude, good looking, really good looking, but he had these massive ass jeans dragging across the floor, a chain, like a dog chain going past his knees. He had these corn rolls in his hair, (laughs) right? And then he had like a Hanson t-shirt on. (laughs) It was just like, whoa. And that's why I stopped because I was walking past him and I I knew I was late and he's like late and doesn't care. I'm late and like for first day of college and I'm just like, oh man, you know I don't, this is going to be embarrassing now. i got to walk in there. And I just looked and I saw the Hanson t-shirt and I was like, stopped and looked back. And <laughs> he just kind of dismissed me. I was, he was just like, I don't know, go away. You know? <laughs> and I just like walked past and I was like, what a fucking dickhead. <laughs> and then I walked around to school, got lost and eventually got brought back to this other class, walked in, sat down at a table, at the only space left and it was right next to him. We just... Start talking about movies, our favourite movies, quoting lines from our favorite films and and just we created a rap group in probably by the, the second period of you know the second <laughs> lesson. It was like, Do you wanna be in a rap group? It was like, Yeah, I think I do. What were you called? <laughs> we were called B Production, which wasn't a really good name considered but we were like, Oh, your surname's B, my surname's B Let's call it Production. We were doing it in American accent because to us it
0: was like what, how else are you going to do it? Like Elton John sings in a kind of transatlantic In the same role. way
4: everyone, in the same way all the Scottish singers till that point had sung, in the same, same way Annie Lennox sounds yeah. American and Sheena Easton or, or Marty Pello, you know, all these people, they sing. And, but rap's very different. Each place took it on as,
0: this is our rap. There isn't really a Scottish grime <laughs> still that's cut through No, there, is
4: there's, there? There's, a, there's, a, there's a there's a sound, for sure. It's just very, very lo-fi and very grimy. And the storylines are very dark because it is an oppressed people in many ways. You know, like you can't live in the central belt of Scotland and not deal with depression or real hardcore shit.
0: OK, so you were rapping in American accents. What were you rapping about together?
4: We were doing funny, a lot of funny stuff because we were very funny and we were acting characters. We were playing scenes. We like to act together. We were, like, we, liked to just, we were like a comedy duo. And, it was, and then dudes came along and said, now you can't do that. You can't rap like that here. Can't rap like what? Like American hmm. and, and that sense of humor and that style. It's and not authentic. It's not. You're cheating. But they were way better than us and they were they had their shit together. So we were like, all right, well, I guess he's right. And so we started to go into your Scottish accents. But the thing with me is that I... When I came to the UK, I had a South African accent. Mm. It, I got beat up a lot, so I had to learn how to speak a Scottish accent. Mm. So then I was putting on an extra Scottish accent mm. to be cool now with Scottish rappers. So it was playing further roles. Yo, you think you hot, shit? My flow was cool in Nigeria. Split more in one vest than more whole entire Korea. I got more reins than people that live in South Korea. Head like an encyclopedia, I'm always thinking of ideas. I got more reins than drugs in a pharmacy. Last three years, master beach of a master vocabulary. I got more fatness than the actress was at. More beats, more and more lanes like slow gas. More no packets than ever than a postman. No slow jam, sorry, yes. Too much of a show, man. I rock more spots than pebbles on your ugly mug. I he A, C, E? None of B- the above. Simply be as that rock is off. None other can time. from further up in the UK. Shilling time, much love. More shame, we spent like a, about a year doing everything. Battling and toured everywhere. Done everything we could do in Scotland. We had made these six songs. We saw this um, this thing it said on online that said, Are You the Next Eminem? Because Eminem had just broken. Mm. And it was kind of upsetting for us because, holy shit, this guy's doing our thing. We jumped on a bus. It was a 13-hour bus journey down, which we got wasted the entire way. Slept maybe an hour got off the bus, made our way to Covent Garden. It was in Pineapple Studios, oh, which yeah. is just outside, you know, Covent Garden down to your right. But the queue went around the block twice. So we tried to skip in. People were like, fuck off, you're not skipping in. We just said, we'll, we'll battle you for your spot. <laughs> I think between us, we must have battled about 80 people, you know, before we ended up right down the front. I think we were the second or third group in. We had that mentality of like, this is for us. We're here. I understand you all want to get in there, but we're here. This is for us. Get the fuck out of the way.
0: Did you get the impression that everyone else that had responded to that ad then there were so just many trying to tap that, into a trend?
4: There were so many people who weren't rappers. They hadn't put the work in yeah, yet. And, That's and, how you saw it. And it wasn't, and I say like we battled our way through probably 80 people odd. it wasn't that hard. It wasn't like a Don't Flopper, you know, King of the Dot battle. It was pretty easy because everyone was so shit. And... <laughs> um, <laughs> We walked in and we stood on our little spot. This is, I guess, this was just before. I mean, maybe Pop Idol was on, but it was that kind of that that format. It comes from that. Auditions mm-hmm. always were like that. Mm-hmm. So, three judges in our panel, and you, you know, we're told to stand on our spot, and it's like immediately it just feels like what the fuck is this? And then we give our CD across, press play. We're not ready, and it's like, oh shit! Sorry. <laughs> Put it it back. So I I come in straight away. You've got to put it back, you know? Mm. It's like already, it's like all over the place. Like, fuck, man, don't just head it on. But they don't have time. So they're just like, come on, come on. We must have done about 30 seconds of just lyric, lyric, cutting each other off. And there was the three of us. There was my other best friend, Oscar uh, Bravo. He was also doing it with us. And we were just weaving out of each other 30 seconds of just like, it was going well. It felt good. And then they were just, I kind of started to see the kind of, laughter breaking on the faces and kind of and that was just like whoa 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 and i'm starting to like not think of the next line and we're all we're kind of it's breaking us you know it bro- it was breaking our our vibe you know and then they kind of stopped as like gave us that whole haven't you seen mtv like don't you know the culture don't you know what is this Is this a joke the thing is you're from scotland you're scottish it's not gonna work it's never gonna work we are never ever going to be looking for something like that We wanted a second opinion, so we went to a really hardcore, well-known UK label, WordLab, who had just done Mark B and Blade and real, like, you know, good artists. And we knew there was no way we were going to get in. So we basically waited for the post guy, and as he kind of opened the door, we went in with him. And we went up to the first floor, and then we were like, ah, Dave. We had a meeting, we were supposed to meet, and we just convinced him that we had a meeting with him. He's like, no, no, it's was like... Dave, we've taken a 13-hour bus journey down, like, come on, it will be half an hour. And we kind of, was like, all right, come on in. <laughs> He sat us down, he was like, all right, let me hear your stuff. Puts it on, he's like, no, skips the next track, no, skips the next track, no, skips the next track. Goes through five tracks, there's one more, he's like, yeah, I get it, I get it, pulls it out, just throws it back, he's like, nah, you didn't really listen to anything, though. There's a lot of good stuff on there. He's like, yeah, be Scottish. Am I gonna put the fucking rap and proclaimers on, on the front cover of Hippo Connection? You sound like the fucking rap and proclaimers. That is a horrifying thing to say to young rappers.
0: Mm. you know? It's then, pretty much the antithesis of what you were going for there. <laughs> <laughs> Any speech from Lamborghinis to a car on cobbled screen. When I got my student loan, I sent the clubs again. Blaster. I started to do more crazy things than Morrison with have an acid More vision than Dr. my More women and stripper dancers. We got you on the edge to your seat like Chris Tarrant. <laughs>
4: Bill came to me. We worked at the same place. We worked in a skate store and he wasn't in for a few days. And then he came in the one day and he said, just go back from London. And I was like, what the fuck are you doing in London? He's like, I went back down. They called me back. And when he got down there, they asked him if he'd be okay with rapping in an English accent. Hmm. I knew... this is what they were like i knew the industry was like that i knew that they were building things on pretense and taking balls of clay and making them into what they want to sell what they think their marketing research tells them people want to hear and i remember sitting down and and i remember saying like have you seen uh, the secret of my success
0: the michael J. Fox movie yeah
4: and he was like no i was like you should watch that movie because we're going to do that basically we're going to become badass californian rappers We're going to become Americans. Immediately, he wasn't like, uh, no, this is crazy. He was like, I've got family in California.
0: Did you mean we'll go back to some record executives and pretend to be from California and we'll perform for them and then they'll like us because we're not Scottish and then we'll tell them we're Scottish? Or did you mean let's reinvent ourselves as Californian permanently?
4: No, no, we're going to become American. We're going to become everything they want. We're going to become these just unbelievable, sellable machines that everyone wants to be with. Girls want to fuck. Guys want to be like. And we're going to just make the craziest stage show and we're just going to kick it in everyone's face. We're going to be like 10 times what everyone else is. If there's someone out there that's cool and crazy, we're going to take that and we're going to do it to the, the ninth degree. We'll get in. We'll get record deal. We'll launch. We'll go massive overnight, obviously. <laughs> and then we'll come out and we'll say, we'll go on Jonathan Ross's show because we're massive fans of Jonathan Ross's show. We'll go on his show and we'll come clean and we'll say, see, talent doesn't have a fucking postcode. Anyone from Scotland can do this. Anyone from Russia can do this. Anyone from anywhere. If you've got talent, you've got talent. So it was from a kind of point of view of we want, I wanted to be a hero. It wasn't just like I want to be a good guy. I want to be the hero. And I wanted to show people this is how it actually works. And let's fuck over them before they fuck over us. You know, And we can create our
0: own thing. I mean, it sounds like something you'd say over a pine. <laughs> and then the next day, say, yeah, but we're not going to obviously, obviously, we're not going to actually do that. The, the real truth about
4: it is the next day, we, I don't know, Bill even remembered it. So a couple of days later, at work together in the skate store, I was like, so we need to pick a time and do this. And he was like, are you, are you fucking, what? I thought you were kidding, you know? And And then he turned up at my, House because he'd just been kicked out of his of his place from his girlfriend. We had to both be out of options, and then a very close friend of ours, Brian, who was kind of trying to manage us, and he was a really cool friend. He had died. He had a horrible accident where a friend had. We were playing wrestling outside a pub, and he fell on his neck, broke his voice box, and that's one of our best friends has died. So everywhere I was walking around, I was seeing Brian everywhere, and it was like. Fuck, I I have to get out of this place. Like, I I don't want to stay here anymore. So then we, you know, we probably spent two weeks working on re recording the vocals in American. We stayed in In American? Yeah. So we re recorded. Took me through
0: that. I mean, there are many regional accents in the US. Yeah. And as you said, hip hop's all about authenticity. Yeah. What voice were you meaning by American?
4: Bill had picked like uh, a white character who he loved and a black character who he loved. He picked like Chris Rock um, and he picked Brad Pitt or something like that. Mm. And he tried to mash up the speaking voice with the rapping voice. And I did the same and mine was um, Chris Tucker and I don't know why, but David Schwimmer. I'd watch Jonathan Ross for his American guest and then I would just like hear everything they're saying and I'd speak back and I started to mimic and, and it became really good at like, getting voices right and,
0: and again so, I mean obviously you know you could video stuff but this is the 90s so there's no YouTube so you can't yeah. just incessantly repeat clips of no, different people
4: had, uh, we had to record video of people on TV so you just watched so a lot limited. of David
0: Schwimmer and Michael J. Fox because <laughs> yeah, Chris a lot And to, to be clear I mean you started obviously practicing on each other but then you started we, walking around yeah we stayed Dundee. in
4: character 24-7 it was like we. The, the crazy thing is we were in character 24-7 we both had girlfriends and so I'm saying we'd do everything an American voice, it, like during sex, I'd be talking in American accent. We did everything. I spoke to my parents. I spoke to everyone in an American accent, and people, I guess, were just like, "All right, <laughs> you know." We used we used to do that. We used to play characters and joke around with each other, and people would also do it. So we were kind of like that. Did so they understand feel, the plan? No, no one did. Like,
0: so no, they just no thought, "Oh, they have just been weird again." Yeah. When did you know that you were ready to go and parade oh, before we were a record totally executive? Not ready.
4: There was no. There was no being ready. I had entered us. In a BBC One extra competition, one of the new songs I put up, and it won. What was the song? Um, Shut your mouth. It got played. Joe Wiley picked it because whoever won it was getting daytime airplay. Wow! So it got so I was we were in, in our we were like speaking an American accent, knowing we we're going to go sometime soon, and we'd given ourselves a two week deadline, which is crazy to become people. But then we started getting phone calls telling us turn on Radio One. You know, are people saying, "Oh my God, I just heard you on Radio One"? For me, it was like, "Oh, it's it's definitely on now. Like this is gonna work. <laughs> this is this has worked already." And in my head, it was like, "This has worked," and it was the final kind of convincing thing for Bill to. He was gonna do it anyway, but he was he probably wasn't as confident. Like I, I wasn't say say I was confident. I was scared. So at that point, it was like, "That's it." Then the weekend before going to London, like the weekend before we'd start to try to get shows, we start calling up promoters. Now, before when we'd called up labels and promoters and managers, we couldn't get no one to reply, couldn't get on the phone for a few minutes even. And now it was all just like getting right through oh, who do you want to speak to? Because, because
0: of the Radio 1 airplay or because of your accent?
4: Because of the accent, but also the characters we were playing now, was like, hey, um. We're, we're from we're from the states uh we're in town for a little time so who's your boss um' we're, we just we return we're, we're uh we've got radio play on radio one all week who, who do you talk to you know and and then they would like put straight through there's a different character and confidence when you're playing something that you believe is a winner mm-hmm. you know like if I'm calling up going um how's it going I'm um, Gavin I'm I'm in a grip called you know that was the, the the sound. Now if someone calls me up that like that and says, "Oh, how's it going?" Um, uh, I'm like, "Fuck off, telemarketers, fuck you." I don't care who it is. Do you know what I mean? But to come out to come on the phone and go, "What's up?" And just take the, and take slow everything down and be confident and cool.
0: Yeah.
4: It, it's it's brainwashing. It fools you into like, oh God. And yeah, so we managed to get a show. We managed to blag a show at Madam Jojo's. Yeah. Legendary for its showcases. A, show, a music showcase at jo- Madame George's at this time was not like anywhere else. It was always packed with key people, not, you know, junior A&Rs, key people.
0: Were you worried when you played that first gig that there was a chance someone already knew you from Scotland?
4: No, no. The worry was no one's going to buy this. We had managed to um, set up a meeting with a guy at Sony, and uh, he's Scottish, and we didn't know he was Scottish. <laughs> We walked in and we were like, you know, all like, your shoulders up, stomping around. <laughs> we sit down and he's like, All right, guys, I saw it, you know, and we're like, Oh, fuck no. <laughs> th- what? You know, and if you speak to a Scotch person, when you, you, it breaks you. It mm. breaks your, 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 like, your line that you're staying on. And, and, he, and he did. He said something. And, and I, don't, I don't know, I can't remember. We always argued about it, but I can't remember who said it. But one of us said I, and the other one said Ken. Because it was just so natural at that point from being in Dundee that, you, oh, Ken. Like, I, yeah, no, yeah. but no one else other than Dandionians get that or know that, you know, or, you know, you have to be fully scorched to get that. So he just stopped. As soon as he heard that, he was like, have you got? Have you been in, Sc- have you toured Scotland? Yeah. He was trying, he was going there. He was like, how long have you been here for? Mm. As if he was trying to figure out, like, how come you know that terminology? You know, so he was completely blown for us. And this person is now a danger forever. Avoid him like the plague forever. And so then we went to the gig and we, we started playing. And because we, were, we knew we'd fucked up that day, we started playing the characters like so much more. Uh, we watched the most boring bands and groups and R&B <laughs> groups doing this, like singing and dancing together, mostly like R&B groups, but place packed, you know, from the first act. And then um, we walked backstage and that's where you have your life and your world and it's like turned upside down. Guys and girls backstage getting ready all in one room. No changing rooms, no dressing rooms, all in one room. Girls getting dressed in front, just completely naked. They, and they were all seasoned. They were all used to it. And so we're just walking around like, what the fuck? Like, <laughs> Bill's like, this is fucking heaven. You know, but I'm just like, this is fucked up. And I remember seeing at that point, there was a guy who, um, he came out of a room with a girl. And, I, and she was like super, 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 super fucking young. No way she was of age. And she was one of the acts p- performing. And um, I remember, like, just thinking, like, that's fucked up because he, he just fucked her, you know? But that was so normal to everyone. He's fucked everyone here. And that was that became something that I, I saw all the time. But by the time we, we had to put all that shit over our heads and by the time we got to to go on stage, we were so nervous. Nervous, but not for the show. The show, n- never nervous about our talent. never, Never that. But who's going to get what we're doing here? Who's going to, like what if we mess up the kind of vibe so we did this crazy stage show which is like a theater production chasing each other around with like fake knives jumping in the crowd battle rapping people if you can imagine seeing normal normal acts the whole night like to seeing that it's just like the fuck is this and we had we had no vibe in us that we wanted to be signed it was like fuck all of you we're here like, you're honoured to be in our presence. Like, now get out of our way, come to the bar and buy us a drink because we were out of money. We need money for drink. You know, that was it. Just buy us booze. And so we jumped off stage, went straight to the bar, got drinks, walked back through the crowd, walked back on stage forward the front way and then went back just to create an extra bit of thing. And by the time we got back that side, there was a bunch of people who had come around and it was Chris Rockle from uh, Island Records and I think it was, it was Pal Dom. And the first thing he said was, where in the States are you from? And immediately I say Huntington and Bill says (laughs) Hammett. Immediately. And we're like,
0: fuck, (sighs) we're just so bad at this. And as a result of that approval from the chap from Island Records, you ended up in the office of Jonathan Shalit, the record manager.
4: We woke up that next morning thinking that last night was a dream, but we had the business card of Chris Rockle, and he had told us come in at ten thirty and do do some of this for for everyone. And as soon as we get there, Charlie from Busted walks past us, <coughs> and <laughs> like there's a whole bunch of people there, like. Chris Rockle's pulling people out of the office, like, yo, come see this. You know, like, it's like, everyone, you know, coming into the kind of they had a big couch area outside their offices in the um, Island Records. And we just want, want to sit down. And he's like, no, no, no. He's like, I, he's like all right, right, everyone, everyone, you know. And he's like, right, 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 right. Go, go, do it, do it, do it. And, and so we just did what the thing we like to do was, all right, we'll just start ripping into everyone. And so we just ripped the fuck out of everyone. <laughs> Anyone who had, like, that was going bald or, like, any 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 good-looking girls, dudes who had horrible T-shirts, you know, we'd just start just tearing everyone apart. And it, and the whole time, Chris Rock was just, like, laughing and, like, killing himself, and people were just, like, falling over laughing. That was the thing that happened that made everyone talk in the industry. That was the thing that was, like, bang, well, you got to hear these dudes, you got, you know. So when artists are trying to get deals and trying to get something happening, they try to call up a management or call up a, a, an A&R, the first thing every A and R does is goes out the window or their door and goes. Anyone heard of blah uh, blah blah? No, no, I'm not going to the show. But no, if you did that about syllable and Brains, anyone heard of the two Americans? Yes, fuck, to go and see them. Yes, they're the coolest people. Yes, <laughs> you know that's what it was like. We created that on the second fucking day back.
0: What was your story though about why you were in London rather than trying to seek a record deal in California?
4: That we were on tour. And we had a a certain amount of money and we spent it all on booze and now we kinda like London. So we're gonna be here boozing for a while.
0: So just laid back. Yeah. Skate style. Yeah, and then as soon funky, as anyone would be basically like,
4: Yeah, so as soon as anyone would be like, Yeah, but like so how long is like I don't know, man, till the kick is out. Who cares? You know, it was just that vibe. It's like any anything that you thought was a pressing question, we'd just be like, we, we'd have to, even though our inside were going, oh my God, they're onto us, they're onto us. Our reaction to that would be like, oh fucking no, man. I don't care. I'm tired. I'm hungover. Who cares? Why do you think about this stuff?
0: I mean, this would not be possible nowadays, would it, with the internet? There'd be no way of covering up the fact that there'd be footage of you in Scotland being yes. yourselves. It if- was
4: not possible then. We just did it. <laughs> it was impossible. Because... Even though the internet exploded when we went on TV, even though people came out the woodworks, even though our best friends, were our ex-girlfriends were in restaurants that we were at with A&Rs, and even though all this stuff was happening, our whole vibe was, we'll make it work. And as soon as you have that mind state, like, fuck it.
0: So you did sign a record deal?
4: Yeah. So the manager we got, his first thing was to get us to sign to Sony uh, US, So he called over Dave Massey. Dave Massey, the CEO of Sony US, flew over to see us in a rehearsal. How about that for causing a a worldwide buzz to get the CEO of Sony to fly from the US? But we didn't understand that because Jonathan Shalit is trying to get us signed back in our hometown, you know? So this guy comes over, he wanted to sign us. But we we then had to get out of it because we didn't have passports. Now we're turning down record deals. That's kind of cool though. There was a connection there. So Jonathan
0: Shalit was able to go to other record labels and say, they've turned down Island Records and they've turned down Sony US.
4: Yeah. And so Sony UK were, fuck if anyone else is getting this over us. But also there was the storyline of being best friends with Eminem. And and that was something that kind of just happened. What do you
0: mean there was the storyline?
4: <laughs> it was manufactured. I mean a lie. Yeah, of course. Of course. You came up, up with I, another lie. That you were friends lie. with Eminem. Why? Well, people kept saying, like, you guys are so much like Eminem. Or like, or like, this is like Eminem times two. Like, this is phenomenal. You guys must know him, right? And we were like, mm hmm. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you get a little bit more drunk. And you're like, so, so tell me about Because that's all people want. As soon as you say yes to that, that's all people want to talk about. Sure. All has, the, the first three months was all like crazy nights out spreading lies about ourselves, spreading rumors and. I remember being in the Crowbar. It was a place in Soho. I remember being there, just hiding out, just getting drunk with some friend. And over my shoulder, against the wall, this side, is two A&Rs talking about syllable and brains. And they're talking about, you know Eminem's friends? Syllable and brains? You've heard them, they're, on like a, they're on records with him. Oh, yeah. Oh, no, they, they used to kill it in sessions with him. And, he, and he, this guy's making up the story. Wow. And I started to realize everyone would make up stories <coughs> off of the little, little bit we'd give them because they all want to be cool with Eminem and they want to be cool with us and that's their link to superstardom
0: but it's sort of easier if you're cynical about the industry to take their money isn't it oh yeah
4: (laughs) I mean I I didn't give a fuck I wanted to get in, get that money I wanted to get stardom I wanted to see it and then I wanted to tear it down so
0: how much had been spent on you by this point you're three months in, you've signed a record contract they're paying for your expenses I guess
4: the publishing deal was 70000 each then the record deal was 50000 50000 and 150000 So it was in stages. So you finished the first song, second song, and then, mm-hmm. okay, now you've got an album. They, just It constantly releases more money to you, which is good because we would have probably spent the amount we did faster. And advances, publishing advances, we had around about 250000 But then we had the John Soda endorsement, Harley endorsement, Vans endorsement, massive endorsements from from people and the reason we're getting all those endorsements is that we're going into the offices and we're meeting Americans who work in the offices in in, in London and they're like oh bro high five and it's like we just light up rooms anywhere we go and the, people would be like oh yeah God, they, these
0: guys are going to be the world's biggest thing did you feel a bit guilty though I mean no no okay no okay, <laughs> <laughs> no, okay. I get that you didn't feel bad about taking their money, but did you feel in any way responsible for the fact that in each of these companies, there are people, good yeah. people, who I guess you met and liked, who think you're American, who've bought into something. Their job is to work with someone, you, and you're not who you say you are.
4: The reason I didn't feel guilty and the reason it spawned me on further is because I blamed the industry. The one thing I came to realise, because I've got so many friends in it who are just people at companies, they're just doing their job. They're not sure. a part of the. It's the people at the very top and the, you know, the layers down at an A&R level of a head of video that level these are just good people and they were phenomenal fun to like have drinks with and, you know completely broken industry no one does their fucking job right it's insane industry very bad for women but it's a horrifying industry but most of the time you will just meet great people you know and you'll be able to have great time so we had such a great time but I didn't feel bad because I felt fuck you fuck this industry look what you did to me look who I have to be Look how much I have to go through just to get in the door because I'm from Scotland. Yeah, but but look at the
0: time scale. Because it like, you know, your initial idea, presumably, the way you've told it.
4: Oh, the timing of this is all off, man. <laughs> right.
0: So exactly. <laughs> Pretend to be American, get a record deal, put the record out, tell the truth. You're three months in, there's no record, you're still American, you have to live the lie all the time. Did yeah, you think, we didn't okay, think, we didn't think this any, is getting ridiculous?
4: We had no idea about when you come to put a record out, you have to do almost six, seven weeks lead press. We had no idea of that. Mm. So when we, when we had our single and it went around, does they, 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 a street team thing. All these people know about you. Street teams like 500 people strong at times. What's a and street team? A t- street team, like a label has all these fans who get free stuff and the fans work for... You know they, they're the, the the voice of the groups and they, and they really champion the groups and they go out and they spread it at all the venues and they really they're they're really your key to getting a, a big fan base and if you understand them you can grow your own fan base really well and if you're good with the street team who you should be because they're the really good people they're the lovers they're the fans um, then you you can go real fast and we we so the street teams are out there pumping our shit and in all different markets that the, the label didn't even know at the, at my Chemical Romance gigs at like the real kill cool markets not the. Not the crap, not the hip-hop shows. The hip-hop show was too, was too limited. So, so we're out there, and then radio is 48 of 50 DJs on mainstream radio is saying that syllable and brains have ticked it like number one hit success on all the, the, the feedback. Because when the vibe's big, then they go to MTV, and MTV's like, yeah, yeah, MTV picks us for the top six artists projected for the next few years, and it was Block Party, Natasha Bedingfield, and a few others, but every single one who was on that have, have headlined festivals worldwide. And you? Um, and then there was us. We didn't understand it. Oh, God, now we're going to have to go on MTV every day. Bang,
0: websites, light up. With people saying, these guys are Scottish. Saying,
4: what the fuck are Gavin Bill doing? Like, are people who had had fates with us, a guy uh, that I had a fate with in a chip shop in Dundee with my ex. <laughs> he goes on and he's like, I punched him with my own fist. He's Scottish.
0: Yeah. <laughs> Eminem does not get that feedback.
2: Yeah. Hmm. Bill. Brain sign, of have mastered the style of no style. Hm, yes. My style is <laughs>
4: So, the next thing that happened was sitting down with our lawyer, and he started to have some questions because he actually needs to know certain things, and he ha- actually is looking at deals that doesn't have our real names written on them yes, and so he starts asking he's like i 'm going to need to see your passports this is, nothing nothing is quite adding up here you've signed publish you've signed publishing endorsements, record deals. With these character names, right? They're character names. You're not, your real name's not Brains of the Hood. You're not Syllable, right? I need to know your real names. And, and then we we're given, We didn't expect that. So we're given a whole bunch of shit. We're also a bit too cocky at that point. We didn't understand his power. So we're a bit like, the fuck. Oh, we tried to do that whole, oh, dude, like, I'm fucking hangover. Like, what's for you, what, what do you think about this stuff for? And it's like, because I'm a fucking lawyer. <laughs> and I'm I'm your lawyer. I'm attached to this. So what are you doing? I think I th- know what you're doing. And if it is true, You are going to go to jail and you're going to have to pay all this money back. And I hope you've got a million just sitting around. And we came out of that meeting like, we cannot release this record. Everything at that point was like, shut it all down, slow it down, stall, stall, stall. And Bill didn't want to. And that was the the real start of the first break of decision making. We can't bring this record out. This motherfucker is not joking. Like, we will be sued. We will go to jail. This is real fraud. It's not a, a jokey fraud. This is real fraud. You know, like we will go to jail.
0: It's kind of unprecedented as well, isn't it? I mean, you think about music scandals like that. And the closest you come is, you know, Millie Vanilli or, you know, the the lead singer of Black Box or something. And it's not their real voice or their miming or. But those are record company interventions. They're not the artist defrauding the record company.
4: Well, that's the whole point of the story was to show. The whole point was to say, make yourself a brand, become like the monster, but know who you are still. Don't lose yourself. Problem is, we're in there, now a year half in, and we're now we're, we're a punk rock band, now we've become so many other characters, we've convinced the label to give us enough money to record six albums. We recorded six albums. And Sony's just dishing that money out because new a and gets put in, doesn't understand the story, just, okay, cool, okay, the money, okay, the money. You
0: recorded six albums before you'd released a single?
4: No single came out. And so by the time it came up to BMG, so we're on the, on the label for a year, two years, and because A&R's jobs go every few months, like they, someone loses their job, moves on. So when they met, when they merged with BMG, everyone was starting to take stock. And that's the thing with a big corporation. No one keeps track of anything. No one asked us in the label or the management group, no one asked us who the fuck you really are. Mm. <laughs> What's your real name? We sign on documents our false names. Mm. And everything we were trying to do to stop the record coming out like, we did a song called Cunt, thinking no one's going to play that. <laughs> no one is going to play that. And it was about George Bush Jr. And the whole song has cunt through it 300 times. Mm. And the, the the chorus is, George Bush, you are a cunt. He's a cunt. George Bush, you are a cunt. And He's so, a cunt. this was now a, a deliberate strategy
0: everywhere. to not release the record. Yeah,
4: everything we're doing now is... Because the
0: moment it gets released, you get found out.
4: We're done. So everything we're doing now is to, to, to bring us so down. So what's
0: the point now? But syllable doesn't. No, what is the point? Well, the point
4: is you can't
0: expose it. <laughs> because... The point was to expose the record <laughs> industry.
4: But and I said like a whole. Do you point just enjoy is, the lifestyle at this point. Yeah. Don't become the monster, or oh, we were the monsters. Now we had become. We were full in, one hundred percent full in, and I was full in. But I was k- rationalizing to myself that you're a spy, you're a separate agent, you're, you're 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 on something important here, you know. And Bill was like the monster. Is like, nah, I'm a fucking, I'm the star it doesn't matter what we've done let's release the record you know so we were splitting that way but there's no way they're going to put this out and so it was right Can't didn't it got banned from all radio all, all commercial radio but then it goes to uni radio becomes a massive success <laughs> it becomes like a it keeps boyzone off uni radio
3: he's a cunt George Bush you are a cunt he's a cunt George Bush you are a cunt he's a cunt George Bush you are a cunt he's a cunt
0: a cunt a cunt, a cunt, a cunt. he's a cunt I'm going to jump straight to my favourite part of this story, which is when you end up supporting D12. Yeah. So you've pretended that you are friends with them. <laughs> For
4: about like, 12, 13 months that we're best friends with them, yeah.
0: When you heard that that was happening, what were you feeling?
4: I was so tired because we had just done 40 days of tours, and that, most of that was a uni tour, and I broke my leg on the first couple of nights. So I was just like, no, 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 I'm not touring anymore. You, know, you think you want to tour your whole life. You're like, oh, what is tour? Go do 40 days. See how you feel, and I was broken. I was just like, "Fuck, I cannot do another show." And then we get back, and now at this point, we're a punk rock band. There's five of us, and everyone's in on it. The punk, they,
0: they all know, you know, they're all in it. What do you mean, everyone's in on it? We've told them eventually. Your band know that you're Scottish, yeah. but the record label don't.
4: The record label don't, and it's only it's, it's like three other guys, one best friend from South Africa, two from Scotland. So they were they were very solid with the lie. But um, <clears throat> so we get back and we crash down. Head hits the pillow phone call on the mobile, it's Dale from Charlotte's office, and he's like, good news and bad news. Bad news is you're not coming off the road. I'm like, Dale, no. And he's like, good news is, Eminem's taking you on the road. I was just like, oh, no. <laughs> you know, and then he kept saying, he's like, D12 to start tonight, you'll be picked up in a couple of hours, maybe get a couple of hours of sleep. I ran downstairs and I'm like, fuck! You know, and I'm telling everyone, D12 have, are, are taking us on the road. And everyone's like, that's fucking amazing. It's like, think about it. It's not amazing. Everyone's going to be there. They're going to see us not knowing them. How is it amazing? What was the venue? Over, the Brixton, the Brixton Academy. was the first night, yeah. On the tour bus over, Bell and I were sitting in the back sweating. This is o- This is over now. You know when you're past panicking? You're just, you're like bottomed out. You, you're like kind of almost delirious. so Your energy's gone. That's how I felt. And we're standing, we get there and we go at the side of the stage and they're on stage sound checking. And it's like... There is no God like you wouldn't <laughs> you would not do this to us, you know, and then there's our A&R. There's our publisher all coming along to, you know, they they have to turn up then, you know, just to see all oh, the uniting of the best friends. You know, as we finish checking, Bill and I just do what we always did. Dig deep, walk on and become legends. And we just walked up to them, high five, grabbed them, held them tight, you know, so they couldn't get away from us and just like pretended we were best friends with them. And I guess them just being good guys, nice guys, obviously thinking like, oh, well, maybe we know these guys. They just were like, all right, cool. And luckily, Eminem wasn't there right then, but as soon as he came on the tour, he was like, jumping in and off of nights. The problem for us was we can't be around this motherfucker. We're spending most of the time trying to duck God. <laughs> all we want to do is hang out with him, and say we're the same as you, but we're fucking trying to duck him. And eventually Proof manages to get us in a situation where we're all together and so it's did, all good.
0: did you manage to make D12 think that they had met you before in California? Yeah. How? They thought at the moment on stage that we mu- they must have met us. But by the time the management and everything
4: went away, the tour just develops. We're just shooting the shit, do you know what I mean? So by the time everyone came back, we were pretty good with them.
0: I mean, it's an extraordinary journey, obviously, to go from being a hip-hop fan in Dundee.
4: Bedroom to touring with the greatest.
0: To, exactly, to, to spitting with D12. Yeah, but the thing you liked about hip hop was authenticity. Here you are pretending. Yeah. That must have caused a strain in you. It Never did. mind the fact the lie might be outed. Yeah. How did you feel? It caused pain.
4: My whole thing has always been like I, I'm trying to simply just do the thing I love at all costs. And I, and, and I learned that no, there, there doesn't have to be a cost. And that was the thing that taught me. You have to understand, as someone who came from trauma, who had, had no confidence. Sometimes you have to become other people to see who you really are, and that's kind of what I felt that I did.
0: It must have been hard to remember who you were if you're in character I lost the whole
4: time. It. I lost who I was, one hundred percent. I didn't know the guy who I was after a while. Like, 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 There's but there's there's something that's really interesting about it. Is that when you're young, you have this playful. You, there's two people. There's you who's just talking and thinking, and then there's a child or the playful happy thing inside that wants to be happy that will become someone else if you don't let it keep being happy so what we do through our lives is that we we ignore the happy child inside and we bury them down we don't stay with the girl who makes us happiest because she's not hot enough so we go with the hot one the hot one tears our fucking hearts apart we don't do the thing we love because it doesn't make us money so we bury it down we, that person that child becomes an angry jaded annoyed human who just does what everyone else wants and so it buries itself down and when you need someone to give you good ideas and when you need someone to feel fun and happy when you're feeling low, it's not, it's like, fuck you I'm down here drowning and your sorrows because you chose that route so I didn't choose that route so while I, the outside person became all these different people just plain, just scared, just being someone else just being whoever the fuck made me feel like great he was still having fun he was still there. The child inside was still having the greatest time. How did the adventure end? It hasn't. <laughs> I'm still on it. But it didn't um, end
0: with you on the Jonathan Ross show saying, Hey, we're Scotty. No.
4: The Syllable and Brains adventure ended. Let's just say it got very poisonous towards each other. People were offering you us, and Bill. Yeah. Labels were trying to sign us separately. People were offering us so much different stuff. We almost killed each other and then he was gone. And then I was left with 50 grand debt. He and was
0: gone as in he went back to Scotland.
4: Just bolted.
0: So then I was and you were a double act, you were a duo. Yeah,
4: but the greatest thing about that was here is the way out. The contract was void. We're out. I didn't know that at the time. I was still trying to make it happen. We had to play Reading Festival and stuff. And um, so I was trying to make all these things happen still. And I was still like attached to this. Like, no, 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 we can't go back. I can't go back. I'm a failure if I go back like this. Like, we have to do this. And I, you know, but I was I was still on a destructive path. I was I became so many other people. I've lived this character for five years, and it took best friends to die of cancer. It took best friends, like childhood sweetheart, to die of liver cancer. To people who knew me to the core since I was four. People who knew me to, to pass, for me to snap the fuck out of it. My childhood sweetheart, she'd passed away. The last thing I ever said to her on the phone before she died was she promised me to never give up music. And I'd said, oh, no, 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 I'm, I'm not giving up music. I had totally given up music. And I said, no, no I'm not giving up music. You know, I'm starting a new band. And I just lied immediately to her, you know. And, and then she died a couple of days later. And it was the last thing I said to the person I loved was a lie. And so that for me, I've told a person a deliberate lie since that day, since 2007. So after I kind of had, had an overdose, strangely, when people die in my life, I get reinvigorated somehow because I think like, fuck, they died. I can't sit around moaning, pissing and moaning, you know. And so I created a band and I, we, we, another friend, only three or four months later, a friend of mine called Ivan, who I had known since a kid as well, he was dying. And I was like, fuck, no, I'm not going to let him die. So I put a show together and I was gonna raise all this money by my comeback. I still we still had so many fans, still had so many people wanted to sign these American rappers and stuff. So I put a show together and I was gonna use all their money to to pay for his cancer treatment. And as I was at the side of the stage, my best friend Rob had got a text through saying Ivan's passed. He's not gonna he's not he's not making it. So I'm standing at the side of the stage, my new band's on stage, behind the drum kit, playing a guitar riff, playing bass, and I said to Rob that like, I can't go on stage because I'm still this character. And I said to him, I can't go on stage. And he's like, fuck, get the fuck on stage. And I was like, I don't know who to be. Like, who do I be? You know, and then he was like, just go on stage. The best thing he ever said to me was like, go on stage and be who Ivan knew, be who Sky knew. Go and be that guy. So I walked on stage and I told everyone to stop the music. And I just started talking and I slowly dropped the accent. And I started to kind of, talk in rhyme, moaning about things, but angry. Unknown where the anger came from. I was just, I didn't know what to do. I was like freaking out. My mind was exploding in front of people on stage. And I started to do like this rhyme where I'm just like trying to talk about things. I'm trying to find a way of saying I'm not who you think I am. And eventually I managed to get there. And then the last few things I said before we actually did play a song was I'm not Brains McLeod. I'm Gavin Bain. I've never been in America. And we went into a song and it wasn't until I did a moment of silence halfway through that where I heard a person, someone in the crowd going, oh, I think that's his real voice. You know, and it was like it started to sink in. It was a odd moment, but the pressure dropped off me. And I remember coming off stage and people come up and some people being like, why would you lie to me, though? I, I would have been able to go with it. Oh, you could have told me. And that was the big vibe. It wasn't like, oh, you fucking
0: liar. The moral from all of this, if you were being tried, if this was the Hollywood version, would be that the moment you were honest and became yourself, as you say, the weight lifted, you felt better. But is that true, really? I mean, the experiences no, you had. it's not as
4: simple as that. But what I would say is that you have to take the journey. You have, it's the hero's journey. You fucking have to. I had to go on this journey, become the potential of uh, because he's just the potential of my personality so I had to meet him and reach certain things and see how bad he could be see how good he could be and see how far he could go see what I could do and in learning on that journey there was gonna be a crash there was gonna be a fall and then I when I after after the fall after the pain comes real truth that comes real glory you can't run from the pain people spend their whole lives trying to run from pain And what I learned was, I mean, I was desperately scared of losing things, but I was running toward chaos. You know, there was something inside. It was just like, let's just keep, let's let's go, let's go, see where it goes. And after taking the whole arc, you come
0: out at the end like, oh, okay, I'm a better person. And now you're a bit more mature, you can acknowledge that the Proclaimers are quite cool.
4: (laughs) They've always been good. They've been a good act for a (laughs) while. It's just that every time it comes to the end of a night of a of a club, you know, and the ah oh, well, I mean, oh, fuck I'm yeah. fucker. <laughs> you guys don't understand my pain, man. this is brains and I'm sorry that you not get through.
0: If you Gavin Bay He's got a book out featuring even more of his story. It's called California Schemin', And if you want to hear some more syllable and brains, well, you can, because all their records are on Spotify, released by Gavin personally. Even though Sony paid for all the recording sessions, the contracts were signed under false names. Uh, If you've got a story you'd like to hear on The Modern Man, then do be in touch via the feedback form on our website, modernman.co.uk. Alex Fox is up next after this. And from hip-hop to boff-boff, it's time for The Foxhole with Alex Fox. Hello, Alex.
1: Hello, Ollie. It's lovely to see you, and I hope that you are glowing more brightly than the firefly's bottom today.
0: Um, we're here to talk about sex. Before we do, we should uh, ask what you've been up to this week, Alex.
1: I have just returned from Latvia, where I managed to successfully get three vibrators, 60 condoms, and a stainless steel G-spot probe through Stansted Airport. Win for me.
0: Well done. So obviously uh, customs is different in Latvia to Dubai.
1: Uh, Yes, thankfully. Uh, We we really must talk about uh, what sex toys you're allowed to take where in a future episode. But for now, I was in Riga, the capital of Latvia, for the Digital Freedom Festival, where I was talking about the future of intimacy and uh, introducing people to a number of new terms, including Muffing. Go on. Uh, Muffing is a relatively new term and it refers to the insertion of a finger, usually a finger although I suppose you could use another tool, into the inguinal canal. It's the gap inside a gentleman's abdomen uh, from which his testicles have descended. So there so there are some people who are gaining pleasure by rubbing their fingers or someone else's fingers up and down this inguinal canal.
0: Why would you give it the same name as a slang word for a lady's parts then?
1: What, the muffing bit? Yes. I don't know the etymology of the word, but I do know that there are many people who define as trans women who are doing this. So people who have the gender identity of a woman but who still possess bollocks are experimenting with this particular sexual practice. OK,
0: so perhaps a deliberate blurring of the genital lines there. Yeah,
1: maybe. And there are two reasons why they're doing it. Partly because it can feel really nice. There's a, there's a nerve located inside that space which let me check my pronunciation here it's called the ilioinguinal nerve which happens to be very very close to another nerve called the genitofemoral nerve and stimulating one can stimulate the other and provoke pleasure so that's a pleasant reason to do it
0: and what would the other reason be
1: well it's a form of penetrating somebody with a penis involving the genitals at the front of their body. So it's sort of a way of approximating a sexual act that somebody with a vagina might enjoy, even if you don't have a vagina yourself.
0: Every day's an education. Time to move on to our listener question, sponsored as ever by our friends at mycondom.com
1: who've recently added a special category to their website called Mm. Stocking Fillers, which is full of, as the name suggests, things that are suitable for filling stockings. Tiddly-widdly bottles of lube, Mm -hmm. uh, amaretto-flavoured condoms. They've got these cute condoms that are on the end of lollipop sticks, so they sort of look like sweets. Uh, Lots of small things that would uh, easily make good tiny gifts for your loved one.
0: Great tip. OK, the question comes from Pip, who says, I have a repulsion to my boyfriend's cum. He is the first and only person I've slept with, and a year or so ago, I started to develop this aversion. I hate the smell, taste, and texture. If I see or smell it, I begin to gag and nearly vomit. I can't really explain why it happens. There isn't a conscious hatred, it's an instantaneous reaction. Even thinking about it now, with no one anywhere near, I feel a bit nauseated. He is very understanding, and I'm happy to say we are able to talk about it. We've also started some workarounds, like always using a condom to keep the cum away from me, but I find I have to leave him to dispose of the condoms, as I can't even hear him remove it without feeling queasy. I find myself getting quite scared when cuddling that his naked penis might touch me and get some on me. He's admitted to me that it makes him feel a bit sad, because although he understands that I can't help it, it doesn't make him feel very attractive Uh, so Alex is this a common problem and what can I do to make him feel appreciated even when I feel too ill to touch him
1: Okay, so here we have a woman who really can't bear to come anywhere near her boyfriend's come Mm. Um, now there are lots of people out there who don't they don't actively adore the smell, taste, or, or texture of semen. Yeah, but I mean, I'm sure you don't
0: have the data to hand, but I think it's probably fair to say maybe even the majority of people don't actively like it.
1: There are definitely those there are some there who do, do fetishise sure. it. Yes. Probably yeah, the majority some, don't. Some people quite literally lap it up. Sure. Um, but yeah, there are plenty of people who, who don't, aren't mad for it, mm. let's say. However, I do think that the issue described here has gone further than that. Mm. I think we're approaching the territory, or in fact we're well into the territory of an active phobia here. It's actively making her feel ill and she is scared of it. You know, she's saying things like laying next to her partner when he's naked are making her feel frightened. Mm. We're not given any background information on where this fear may have come from and this aversion. but It's not too much of a stretch of imagination to uh, think that perhaps if when you were younger you heard something about Uh, HIV or STIs being transmitted via semen uh, that that could uh, grow in your mind to become a bigger fear than it needs to be of course uh, it's semen that can get people pregnant and if you're a woman who's worried about pregnancy then that can escalate within your psyche Mm. but thankfully there are lots of ways for this to be tackled uh, that don't involve her partner feeling ashamed of what comes out of his tackle because that worries me here, it's brilliant that her her boyfriend is uh, helping her with these workarounds. Um, But if this carries on, there's a chance that he will start to feel ashamed of his own body, uh, worried about about very normal sex acts in a way which is not great for him either.
0: And also, if they do end up trying for a baby... Uh Uh-huh. ..um... He will have to come in her, as you suggest. That is how that works.
1: Yep, she doesn't say whether she might want biological children in the future, but obviously this is going to have to be a phobia that she overcomes if she's going to do that in any kind of uh, straightforward way. Uh, There's lots and lots of options for help here, though. Uh, I spoke to my friend Sarah Berry, who is a fantastic sex specialist therapist, um, and she said the fact that the writer here hasn't described to us why she thinks she is so afraid uh, of semen mm. might, be, might indicate that she hasn't worked it out herself yet. Mm. Going to see a therapist and exploring that, exploring the possibilities of what's caused this in the first place, can help uh, her to understand what's happening and also calm down about it.
0: Because it also, it, it, I mean, you're right, it does seem like it is just the very concept of it that's freaking her out, but equally, it's the smell, it's the taste. And so that makes you think, well, was there contact with semen that she's either forgotten about or chosen to forget about, which, you know, could be causing this?
1: This is a bit of a chicken and egg problem, really, isn't it? Because we don't know whether... In her mind, she, for example, might have become overly frightened of semen because she thinks it's going to result in an unwanted pregnancy and therefore the qualities of semen, like the scent of it, have become distasteful to yeah. her or whether there has been uh, something happening in her life where that she's associated that scent with having a bad time yeah. and then uh, that fear, that distaste has expanded to include... Uh, other qualities of that particular liquid, certain forms of therapy, like Sarah's, might begin by sitting down and talking about where this problem had come from and then very, very, very gradually working out potential ways of slowly introducing exposure to the offending, frightening substance, i.e. semen. Those exercises might look like, for example laying naked with her partner whilst she has a towel over her genitals or over as much of her body as she feels comfortable with Mm. so that she is the one in control and then gradually removing that towel so they've got skin to skin contact It's taken entirely at her own pace. There's no pressure on her for this to be a sexual act. It's all about just becoming more comfortable with laying together.
0: What else could she do if she doesn't want to go and see a therapist about this? You know, I mean, perhaps you're right that it is that serious, but what if she doesn't think it is?
1: There's really nothing that can be done about a phobia that doesn't involve actively confronting it one way or another. Uh, And in this instance i would very strongly suggest finding a professional that suits you and an approach that appeals to you and dealing with it professionally Mm. i think there are exercises that the couple can do together there are uh, perhaps mindfulness exercises that she can do on her own but if it's reached the stage where she can't even hear a condom being removed without that causing her uh, emotional distress then i really think it's time to involve a professional i spoke to a hypnotherapist called Desmond O'Connor, brilliantly. Now, the difference between hypnotherapy and more traditional talking therapies, which might appeal to our writer, is that hypnotherapy doesn't require you to be gradually exposed to the thing that makes you phobic. Mm. In theory, you can have uh, sometimes just one, but sometimes more, sessions of hypnotherapy uh, and be cured without needing to go through that process of working out why something's upsetting you and then exposing yourself to it in very small doses. Yeah,
0: although different the hypnotherapists have different uh, ways of approaching those yeah, things this too, is, don't they? This Some is of them true. will want to regress you and take you back to whatever it was. But the thing is, with hypnotherapy, you're essentially just changing the way you think about that thing. I mean, to take the no smoking example, you're saying, I think of a cigarette as smelling like shit and then you don't want to put it in your mouth. It's it's that in reverse, isn't it? Presumably, it's changing the way you think about semen, so you think it tastes delicious. Essentially,
1: I doubt it's going to make it taste like a roast dinner. No, but
0: (laughs) (laughs) you put positive associations where there were negative associations. This
1: is true. I'm now thinking about Walker's crisps and their, you know, every year they do their new flavors. Yeah, (laughs) yeah. (laughs) So it deals with the unconscious rather than making things conscious. That might be something to explore. Uh, Another option is neuro linguistic programming or NLP use a sort of language-based games to reframe the way that somebody thinks about something so a typical exercise might involve uh, an NLP practitioner guiding our reader through a session by imagining that say she's in a cinema in the third row watching herself have an experience in which uh, she's freaking out over semen she might uh, imagine that she can turn down the volume on the sound maybe put another soundtrack over the top that's comical Mm. turn it into a funny joke so she can laugh at it and by by playing with the situation that way by manipulating the way she thinks about it it is theoretically possible to change her view so that when that then happens in real life, her associations are positive and joyful and hopeful rather than... Frightened and tense mm. and concerned. Perhaps the couple here might want to attend therapy as a twosome. They may want to approach this together. Um, it's also a really good idea to have in place uh, a plan B for if you're going to uh, embark on any exercise like this in in the bedroom together. Make sure that you have a plan in case something goes wrong. So if you do reach a stage where you're feeling uncomfy, you need to you need to you need to take a time out um it might be good to have discussed that beforehand and maybe uh, the lady here can just go and make a couple of cups of tea uh, the guy can maybe pop and have a shower or something that they have already discussed so that in the in the instance that something does feel uncomfy that's not a scenario that becomes even more frightening mm. because you feel like you've failed or you feel like something's gone terribly wrong
0: Excellent stuff, thank you Alex uh, If you have a question of sex for Alex Fox What do you need to do with it?
1: Head on over to our website Which is Modern Man with 2 ns 2 for the price of oneco.uk And click feedback
0: And if you want to find Alex on the internet Oh you are please there.
1: do find me uh, I'm on Instagram at Alex Fox A-L-I-X-F-O-X The same on Twitter And especially in the run up to Christmas I'm working with lots of brands to offer tasty discounts
0: And speaking of discounts If you want 15% off your choice of condoms and lube and stocking fillers from mycondom.com. Then all you need to do is use our code
1: foxhole.
0: Well, that is very nearly it for this week's Modern Man, but there is just time to anoint a new ambassador. It is Holly in Canada who says, "Ollie, I found your show at the end of season five and have now worked my way through your whole back catalogue. I finally matched intention with action and have bought you all a beer as well." Is there any chance that you have a ambassador position open for Nova Scotia? Uh, Oddly enough, Holly, we do. You are the first Nova Scotian to offer their services, so I am thrilled to pronounce you ambassador for Nova Scotia. Congratulations. Uh, Music now, and our theme is by Django Django from their self-titled debut. And despite our hip-hop theme this week... Our record of the week couldn't be any more different. This is Van Morrison with the opening track from his 38th studio album. It's called Broken Record and it's out now on Caroline International. I've been Ollie Mann, the producer, Matt Hill, and we'll see you next Tuesday.